Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. I'm your host, Blessing, Adioye Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma fucking Gettys. Summertime, baby. We're feeling bright today, aren't we, Bless? Look at this. Oh, my God. A brand new games. Oh, there it is. There it is. We're back oh, to normal now. Oh, it's okay. a San Francisco summer, so it's a little it's dark cool. and gloomy. It's a little chilly. It's a little chilly. How's it going, uh, Tim? Dude, it's going fantastic. We just recorded our reaction to Loki episode five. Of course, we're not going to talk about it here. You can go over to youtube.com slash kind of funny to check that out in just a couple minutes and it'll be live. But man, I'm feeling exhilarated. Hell yeah. Where are you at with, I know you don't want to talk about it, but I just, I need to know where are you at with Loki compared to the other, other Marvel shows? I've would you say it's a, the best one so far? Uh, I would say it's been the most consistently high quality so far. I'm, I've been a big fan of all three. Um, so far, all three have had issues, but I think that, uh, that Loki so far is, is, is the highest quality. Yeah. We were just talking that. about the soundtrack right before this. And that's the thing mm. that keeps catching me off guard is every single episode. I'm like, there's a there's a theme in here that catches me that gets me and it, even still that main theme is one that touches me right like it, it's it's fantastic each and every time well so dude i mean to make this about video games just a little bit i've never mm -hmm. heard a soundtrack uh besides loki work as well at taking the main kind of motifs and medleys and and adapting it to so many different styles except for super mario world <laughs> <laughs> where they just took their theme and applied it to here's overworld here's underground here's the swimming here's the castle here's the ghost house and it's all the same fucking song just slightly differently so do, yeah. so damn i mean dude, that's one of the reasons why i love video game soundtracks so much like i look at games i look at soundtracks i love like undertale or near automata uh or even final fantasy 7 remake right As for a latest example mm -hmm. in the way that the, the way that video games handle motifs variations and on the theme. yeah variations on certain themes i think is unmatched compared to uh plenty of other mediums i guess specifically entertainment mediums like tv and movies mm -hmm. something about the way video games handle them is just so so good and it might be the length it might be just the different situations that you find yourselves in, in video games that's probably a whole podcast of itself but Love loki it. does i feel like bring me that level of oh my god yeah every, every single theme for every single moment feels like it hits it hits differently but also hits very specifically for the vibes of that show which yeah. is something very specific but of course i'll leave it to in review for you guys to tackle all that remember tim this is games daily and before i move on what's up i just want to say god bless you bless for rocking that mm -hmm. polo you bring it i don't know if everyone out there realized this shit but blessing at Yoye single-handedly bringing polos back and i i'm trying my hardest that move man i'm trying my hardest is the polo revolution as i've stated before i'm rocking polos on khd now for for as long as i run out of polos yeah <laughs> well we're gonna see how long that lasts but for the mm -hmm. time being i'm making it work tim enough about polos let's talk about ubisoft turning assassin's creed into a live service game a new robocop game and more because this is kind of funny games daily each and every week at 10 a.m live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong if you don't want to watch live you can watch later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosteeth.com or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where bronze, bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad-free with the exclusive daily post show. Housekeeping for you. And, and Tim, you complimented my polo. I got a compliment. I've seen this leather jacket multiple times, but every single time it's still as fresh as the first time. Thank you. It's a dope-ass leather jacket. This is uh, the, the most glow-up I've ever done with a bomber jacket where it is mm -hmm. actual real leather. Yeah. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty fancy in it. You killed it on this one. It smells hella good, too. 
housekeeping for you uh we got a new episode of kind of funny games cast up right now and it's us looking through every major game release for the rest of the year we did part one of that uh, i believe a few months ago maybe like a month ago actually even though time time moves at a weird speed nowadays uh time moves but- differently here Time moves slow. But uh, yeah, this is basically the part two to that part one, where, of course, E3 happens. We get a lot more release dates. We get a lot more clarity for what the year looks like. And Greg Miller joins us for this one, of course, before we had still Michael Michael uh, uh, with the squad. But now it is me. It is Tim. It is Greg. And it is Andy going through the rest of the release dates for the rest of the year and talk about our hype levels for each of the games releasing. Uh, like Tim mentioned earlier, kind of funny Loki episode five reactions just finished recording and should be up on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or no youtube.com slash kind of funny, uh, by the time you're listening to this and on podcast services around the globe. So go check that out after you finish watching Loki. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Donovan Harkness and Blackjack today brought to you by ExpressVPN and honey, but I'll tell you about that later for now. Let's begin with what is and forever will be the rope report. <laughs> It's time for some news. We have four stories today. And Tim, number one is a really beefy one. All right. We got big Assassin's Creed news. Assassin's Creed is turning into a live service. This one comes in two parts. All right. I'm going to pull from the Ubisoft blog and then I'm going to pull from Jason Schreier because they both reported it separately. Jason Schreier has a little bit more detail on what exactly this entails, but I'm going to start off with the Ubisoft blog where they put up a post this morning titled an update on Assassin's Creed Infinity and the future of the Assassin's Creed franchise. From its action adventure origins to its RPG evolution, Assassin's Creed has shown how the decisions we make now, no matter how big or small, can influence the events of the future. After both Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Valhalla shattered records, we find ourselves in that very moment where we know the decisions we're making for the franchise now will impact its future for years to come. Along with our announcement of new content coming for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, we wanted to share some key updates on the talented and creative minds that will now be working in a collaborative cross-studio structure between Ubisoft Montreal and Ubisoft Quebec that will guide, grow, evolve, and define the overall future of Assassin's Creed that includes an important upcoming early in development project codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity. The new cross-studio collaborative structure will be led by Mark Alexis Cote, who will serve as executive producer of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Creative leads for Assassin's Creed Infinity will be a cross-studio collaboration as well. Jonathan Dumont and Clint Hawking will share leadership as creative directors, overseeing their respective teams at Ubisoft Quebec and Ubisoft Montreal. This change means that we're also evolving along with the video game industry. The pandemic and working from home have fundamentally changed the way we produce games, giving us a moment to reflect on our organization. Assassin's Creed was born within the walls of Ubisoft Montreal, and the studio built an incredible foundation for the franchise with immense skill and creativity of its teams before Ubisoft Quebec then took the lead with Assassin's Creed Syndicate and Odyssey, demonstrating its ability to drive the franchise even further. Rather than continuing to pass the baton from game to game, we profoundly believe this is an opportunity for one of Ubisoft's most beloved franchises to evolve in a more integrated and collaborative manner that's less centered on studios and more focused on talent and leadership, no matter where they are within Ubisoft. We hope you'll join us for this incredible journey, and we're excited to share more on what's coming for Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Assassin's Creed Infinity at a later date. 
of course, that is Ubisoft's blog. I condensed that down just a tad bit because there's a lot of details regarding names, leadership, and all and all that. But basically, what that comes down to is the fact that Ubisoft Montreal and Ubisoft Quebec, who have been working apart to create multiple entries into the Assassin's Creed franchise, are now doing a Dragon Ball Z fusion dance and are working on it and on an e- even bigger Assassin's Creed title uh, together collaboratively. Collaboratively, now that Ubisoft blog post came off of a report from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg, who slightly earlier uh, had his own report talking about how Assassin's Creed is going to have a live service shift. Uh, and he also talks a little bit about the the, the internal struggle over at Ubisoft. Uh, this also is condensed down because there's, again, a lot of information to parse, parse through here. But Jason Schreier's report goes like this. Assassin's Creed, a video game franchise set in huge worlds where each, each one can take hundreds of hours to complete, is getting even bigger. A new project, which is known inside Ubisoft by the codename Assassin's Creed Infinity, sets out to create a massive online platform that evolves over time, according to people familiar with its development. Whereas previous Assassin's Creed games each unfolded in specific historical settings, such as ancient Greece or Egypt, Infinity will contain multiple settings with room to expand to others in the months and years following its debut, said the people who asked not to be identified uh, discussing a project under development. Individual games on the platform might look and feel different, but they will all be connected. Details surrounding the project, which hasn't been previously reported, are in flux and is still years away from release. The reorganization has rankled some employees at Ubisoft, which is still reeling from last year's cultural reckoning over widespread sexual misconduct allegations. Dozens of current and former employees accuse Ubisoft of facilitating a culture of misconduct and abuse, leading to the ouster of studio heads and chief creative officer. However, some managers accused of abusive behavior remain in senior positions after the reorganization, people familiar with the matter have said. That has prompted a fresh round of complaints on Ubisoft's internal message board from employees who are dissatisfied with the company's response to the allegations. Last month, the French union Solidaire Informatique said at least three Ubisoft managers in Montreal had been accused of harassment or toxic behavior, and that employees had reported other claims of racism and sexism to human resources without anything being done. Ubisoft Montreal has experienced a rise in attrition over the past two months, said people familiar with the moves. A variety of factors contributed to the recent departures. In addition to the Me Too scandal and the reorg, Ubisoft is facing new competition from other video game companies in Montreal, and some employees, tired of working on massive productions, balked at the idea of Assassin's Creed Infinity, which may be the most ambitious one yet. So Tim, there's a lot we can we can start with here. Of course, we have the two big studios, Ubisoft Montreal and Ubisoft Quebec, working together on on a new big Assassin's Creed title. We got the reports of it being a live service game. We have also the misconduct stuff. Tim, where do you want to start? I mean, I feel like there's not a place to start. It all kind of just is one big story, right? Like mm-hmm. it all kind of tells one narrative that is this pretty clear. Right. There's a lot of problematic people. There's a lot of money made with these live action or not live action game, live, live games. Live service. Uh, yeah. Live service games. Like, um, I think what, what bums me out from the top of this, like just working my way through, is that we're looking at some very talented studios that are so close to losing their identity. Just like we've seen with Call of Duty. And I've talked about it so many times with Vicarious Visions and Toys for Bob and et cetera, et cetera, with all the Crash Spyro, Tony Hawk games, all of that. They went from giving Activision a fairly diverse portfolio, at least for a bit, and at least relatively to what they have been, to 
okay, cool. You're working on Warzone. You're all working on Warzone because Warzone quality game makes a lot of money, right? I get that that makes sense literally, uh, but it is just a bummer because there's all these talented developers that don't get to put their stamp on their own projects anymore. And here, this story reads exactly like that to me. It's like, hey, you guys have forever had your own uh, ability to make your own Assassin's Creed game. And now it's now work together to make one that can make us as much money as humanly possible. Then I think just talking about it from the game perspective of what this game sounds like it's going to be. I feel like this is going to be very not exciting to a lot of people. I'm sure there are people out there that are interested in this and, and hear this news and like, oh, this is exactly what I want. But I struggle to uh, understand that perspective because I, as far as I can tell, this has never been done right. We've never got a, uh, a, a kind of third-person action game in the style of an Assassin's Creed behind the the the, the back type action game mm-hmm. with live elements of story that are building over time where it feels like all of them have consequence and all all of them are actual big meaty pieces of a game that you need to play as opposed to just some DLC that comes out that you may or may not get to. So for Assassin's Creed to jump out and be like, hey, we're going to try this, it's like, well, it didn't really work for Avengers. And Avengers is a very, very, very big uh, uh, property that can that has that mainstream support because it's the Avengers. Assassin's Creed has that in video games. Like Assassin's Creed is broken through to that mainstream type of gamer where even non-gamers play those games. But is that the same audience that's going to understand a games as a service and want to keep up with this type of honestly groundbreaking type of structure for releasing a game if it works? The idea of them talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to just keep having stuff and it could be radically different. Uh, individual games on the platform might look and feel different, but they'll be connected. Like, we haven't seen that. We've seen Fortnite kind of grow and change over time, but it's still Fortnite, right? We've seen Warzone have its different kind of uh, makeovers and stuff, but if, we're talking about Battle Royales. What is this game going to be? What could an Assassin's Creed be that focuses so much on story and narrative and all of that? So, mm-hmm. to me, I struggle for me to be excited this, about this. And I struggle to understand why others would be excited, especially when there is all these stories that back it up of where management's coming from that we know to be true. Mm-hmm. And we know how this looks and we know how this works at other companies. Cause we have seen that before. Yeah. I want to bring a few things into the mix uh, because I did, I hit up Greg cause Greg is, is the, is the Assassin's Creed guys. I know. And I know we got Kevin here, which I want to know Kevin's thoughts in a bit. And I know we got Barrett and quite a few people here. Kind of funny that loves Assassin's Creed. For me, it's somebody from the outside looking in for Assassin's Creed, talking to Greg, talking to people who love Assassin's Creed. My take on it is there's a lot of pros and cons here. The pros being the potential, the good potential that this can have, right? I I think you, you put it well saying that we've not gotten something like this before that's necessarily been big and successful yet. And this strikes me as a move that could possibly be a trailblazing move. This could possibly be a groundbreaking move. But you come back to the thing of, but it's Assassin's Creed. And I know Assassin's Creed fans have become accustomed to a certain kind of thing, right? Assassin's Creed has evolved over the years from the classic Assassin's Creed games to the latest ones with uh, Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla. And when you ask Assassin's Creed fans, right, Assassin's Creed fans seem very satisfied with where, where Assassin's Creed is at right now. And big changes, especially a big change turning it into a live service game, doesn't speak well towards how 
uh, Ubisoft is treating the franchise when you talk about the whys of it. Like, why why do big companies pivot to live service? Why do big companies pivot to uh, uh, platform type games? The answer usually is money, right? The answer usually is, cool, we want to get in a big install base and we want to be able to charge for additional content and monetize that way. Because for Montreal and, and Quebec, you imagine that restarting over and over and over again in a, what, in a three-year cycle at this point probably costs more money than it's worth for Ubisoft rather than being being like, why don't we just release a big game and just iterate on that over and over again and have these two studios that keep reinventing the wheel just work with that same thing. And again, that's not exciting. I, I can I, I can understand exactly why uh, Assassin's Creed fans would look at that and be like, no, I don't want that. What we have works. What we have is, is great. But there could be, be potential there where uh, where if they pull it off, I think that is cool, being able to, to have a central character that has an ever-evolving story that you are tuning into like a tv show where it is cool here's episode two here's episode three and you're getting the same uh cassandra uh, story you're getting the same whoever the main character is right you get it you're getting iterations on that that allow you to tune in as opposed to it being like a oh, so here's a new character every time here's a new story every time here's a new different like a wildly different take every time uh as opposed to a here's something consistent and something that you can follow up on and feel connected to and feel like you're able to build a community community around more uh, as opposed to doing something different each and every time. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's an interesting thing to point out is that the, there have been the last couple of Assassin's Creed games that have kind of been live service games to an extent with yeah. the, with their DLC plans and with the way that they've kind of had the, the updates. Uh, but like I was saying, you're, there's the drop-off of users for each one of those. And we need to remember the big boon of episodic games just a couple of years ago that there were so many of them and now they just don't exist anymore it's because that model just wasn't translating over to the type of sales they need because those drop-offs aren't what people are looking for whether it's uh the the, the devs making the games themselves or the the pocket the wallet holders at the top looking down and be like we want to be making more per game not less as it goes down right mm -hmm. so they haven't quite figured that part out yet so that's why i think this is potentially a I think it's a safe bet to look at this as a risk as opposed to, oh man, this sounds awesome. Even though like you were just saying, and like I was saying earlier, it's like this in theory is awesome. And if yeah. they did get it right, it would be incredible. And it would be such a shift for video games into a, a, a very awesome thing for narrative single player games that are living and expanding that you can continuously go back to and treat more like TV. And in this world that we have now with things like game pass and things like, uh, the Ubisoft version of that or whatever the hell it's called, like mm -hmm. where there are less barriers to entry to be able to play these games, get these season passes, all of that. It's like that could be a very interesting future. I keep using the word future because I don't think we're anywhere close to that. So somebody mm -hmm. has to be the first to get it right. I don't think it's going to be this. Really, you don't. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting bet to make, right? To see because Assassin's Creed is one of the biggest games on the planet when you're talking about franchises and you're talking about something that continues to, to stick around and continues to have a fan base that really digs where uh, where it's been but i think it comes back to talking to greg about the assassin's creed dlc for i forget if it was odyssey or valhalla it might have been both where I, where i was asking him on a ps love you recently where i was like hey man are people are people playing this like do you play all the assassin's creed content and greg's like no there's so much of it like it's so bloated there's so much to dig into here I wonder if part of this move too is them looking at that and realizing people are not playing all this content because there's so much of it and going, how do we parse this out in a way smarter way and in a way better way? Um, 
But also in a way, this reminds me of what we talk about when we predict what the next GTA is going to be. You know, there there have been plenty of times where we sat down and we're like, where do they go with with GTA 6? Is it Vice City or could it be this ever-expanding thing where it starts off as Vice City, but then they add in San Andreas and they add in Liberty City and they add in new areas and, and expand it that way, which in theory could be a really cool idea, but it's a thing that, uh, to your point, hasn't been done right yet. And I don't, I don't, and I don't know what doing it right looks like if you know what i mean like i don't it's a it's a tough thing to do in a single player uh open world instance like this right we've gotten the destinies we've gotten even the divisions right which is ubisoft division seems to do a good job with this post-launch stuff right but that is a different type of game that is a Mm -hmm. multiplayer games as a service and that is something that is relatively proven as opposed to something like this which is more focused on the single player uh third person action uh narrative uh part of it Kevin, I know you are an Assassin's Creed person. You love Assassin's Creed. You play a lot of Assassin's Creed. Yep. Is this something that you're down for? What are your thoughts on this? I don't know. I, I kind of like what you just said about potentially being like uh, this being a way to them roll out more thi- or like make it feel like they're rolling out more things over time. Because um, like it is like a big problem. I like Valhalla didn't grab me the way Odyssey is. And Odyssey grabbed me harder than most games do. And so... I, I feel like uh, most of the time, Assassin's Creed has way too much stuff going on. Like, way mm-hmm. too much stuff. Um, it's fun to complete it, but it's super rare. And if this is a way they can kind of keep us interested for longer, I'm way more into that idea. So I could see this this working. But, like, to Tim con- Tim's concerns on, like, are they going to be able to execute this? I don't think. I don't think. I think that it, this like this is something that's going to happen in the future with another game. I feel like they're going to try this for like six months and then they're going to shut it down after two years. But we'll see. Hopefully, I'm wrong and hopefully this is cool, like a a rollout plan for for Assassin's Creed stuff could be really cool. Also, their games yeah. are set up in a way that like each game is like a different trip on a different ad. Atomus, right? Like the last mm-hmm. game yeah. set it up, set up that um, it's no longer just your biological family. You can see, you can see other people's like memories. Yeah, so, set up there, yeah, absolutely. The and totally plus, there. you bringing up, you bringing up uh, Grand Theft Auto, I think, is very interesting because it's like GTA. I have full faith in. Like that's the thing is like the the difference between GTA and Assassin's Creed is that GTA at this point has that online the GTA online thing to back it up and they have been proving that they can do updates to that game and keep it uh consistently quality and keeping their fan base playing for almost a decade at this point right mm-hmm. but the one thing that, that it was missing was those big single player drops of, of content i think that the roadmap for gta 6 whatever it ends up being is a lot simpler and easier to to understand because it is just gta online but it'll have these like kind of events and these moments that might be smaller storylines anything ranging from four hours all the way up to it could be potentially a full gta epic um at least to start off right but it's like i think that the audience would be there for that just because of the way that that rockstar kind of is known for quality and is known for like pacing things out in a, in a way that kind of makes sense for the audience that it has. And granted, they've never had this audience before with the, a brand new GTA game. We're in a whole new world of Grand Theft Auto, which I can't believe because like, I, back in the GTA 3 through San Andreas days, I would have never thought GTA could get bigger. 
but it did, you know? So GTA six, I think kind of has that, like has everything it needs to succeed. Whereas this Assassin's Creed kind of seems it's jumping the gun. And a lot of it does point to a lot of the more shady um, aspects of, of management. And I hope that that's all wrong. I hope that it's all just a shitty coincidence that it's easy to paint a narrative there because you know, there are bad people and the decisions that we're seeing here clearly sound like they're more money motivated than doing what's right for the franchise motivated. Yeah. And from that, the, the, the seed. And that's where I come back to the fact that I think it's pros and cons in here. And I think that that's where the cons definitely come in is from the inside. It's not looking good in terms of how people feel about this thing and seeing people peace out based on based on this part of the jason trier story that i omitted because of length uh is the fact that it seems like ubisoft montreal and quebec don't always get along when it comes to working together and there seems to be some type of competition there and so not everybody was happy about uh the decision to bring the teams together to work on the same project and those are the those are the kind of things that as they come out announcing this new project doesn't speak to confidence doesn't speak to uh me as an audience member believing in this project because you're telling me that people on the inside don't believe it that's no bueno i want to bring in a couple of takes here i want to bring in uh stefan stevens who writes in a patreon.com slash kind of funny games just like you can and says ubisoft is developing an assassin's creed ongoing live game as a service leading many to ask who is asking for this i just want you the first to loudly and proudly say i am the series has long since already leaned that way, making arguably bloated main storylines in a world absolutely jam-packed with content that is hit or miss for many. I think the series is perfect for the live treatment, as it will allow fans to even more directly respond to, the, uh, to what works and what doesn't. Sure, some of the Assassin's Creed games have great stories, but they become increasingly difficult to trudge through and finish. I hope this leads to more st more streamlined story-focused games, while leaving the greater world-building and more optional side content for the live game. Sorry this is so long-winded. I'm just genuinely excited for excited and optimistic, optimistic to see how this could shape the franchise going forward. Why do you think there is such a push against the style of game for the series when they're practically there already? Is, that, is it that we've just seen so few successes, or concerned that this will ruin the great track the games have been on with the last few entries? And Stefan, I think, I think you pretty much hit it there. It's the fact that the, Assassin's Creed seems to have been on a great track. Assassin's Creed fans seem to, have been, seems, seem to be happy with where Assassin's Creed has been with the last three games. And it seems like people would like to see that continue. And I think it's also the fact that, yeah, we've seen so few successes in this realm that it's hard to... It's hard to see Assassin's Creed as being the one to truly trailblaze that. But I personally, I'm not going to count it out. You know, I think Assassin's Creed, for as big of a franchise it is, and for Montreal and Quebec, how big of games they make, their combined forces, I think, could do a decent job of doing this. But also, there's just so many, there's so many things when you bring them into the mix that, again, don't inspire confidence in me. I want to bring in one more take from Greg, who I hit up on Slack just to see what he thought about it. And Greg, Greg wrote a whole blurb. And so this is Greg's take. Quote, I find all this Assassin's Creed Infinity news exciting. Yes, it could easily blow up and be terrible, but that's the risk with any big change to an established franchise. Personally, I see this being one main present-day Assassin's Creed protagonist. I wonder if they'll be customizable and we can do multiplayer stuff together. Who can use their animus to go into any number of stories. Yes, there will be it be the annual or biannual huge installments that rival Odyssey or Valhalla, but I also see Jason talking about smaller stories, chances for the team to get weird in a one-off tale or an expansion that is easier to get me into because it isn't starting from scratch. 
Like I'd like I'd still be playing Odyssey DLC if they were releasing it on this platform because I care so much about Cassandra, whereas I never loved Eivor, so I'm not compelled by her additions. If the platform stayed current and kept me engaged, it wouldn't be such a big deal to go back to Cassandra's story, and it might even get me more interested in spending more time with a character I didn't love because it benefits my character in the present. Imagine a leveling system and its rewards for the Animus character and the push to play to play as them for more content and cool upgrades. And again, that's again where it comes back to the pros and cons. I think those are the pros of it. I think there could be very exciting stuff they can do with it. And this is Greg not talking anymore. This is me talking. Uh, the idea of the setup being, hey, we have an Animus. We'll just use this as a jumping off, jumping off point for um, uh, installments into an ongoing game. That could be exciting, right? Hey, every year we'll, we'll add in a new map. Okay, now you're going to Greece. Okay, now you're going to Japan. Okay, now you're going here. Now you're going there. Again, it can be really exciting if they pull it off. And I think that's the big thing is if they pull it off. Yeah, on paper, this sounds awesome. I just don't believe, given the track record of anything Ubisoft has done, specifically the Assassin's Creed teams in the last half a decade, that but this is going to be what the good version of this is. Like, I don't see them making small story, small stories in different locations that you can kind of get in and enjoy for a bit and back out. Like, I still see it being overly bloated and just having a lot of things to do mm-hmm. uh, over over more time at this point. Like, the, the one thing that we have yet to see somehow that we have yet to see in this type of live service game, not the Battle Royale, in, in th- like the more single player focused ones, is... A, a, a level of a calendar that they actually hit and stick to. Mm-hmm. We just haven't seen it. And I know game dev is hard and I know that like that is a big ask, but that is what is required for this to work. People need to know that every month on the third week, they're going to get new Assassin's Creed or whatever the schedule is, but they need to stick to it and they need to hit it. And every single one needs to be of a similar level of quality and time commitment and understanding of what you're getting into because that is how you educate the audience and teach them the language of how you want them to play this type of game. We haven't been educated. We don't know this because we're not being able to have enough consistency to learn the language of playing these games. So we get bogged down and overwhelmed with it. What's up? Isn't that like Battle Pass? Exactly, but that's Battle Royale. That's what I'm saying. We haven't seen this in a single-player game because single-player games are developed differently. And what we expect from a battle pass for this type of game is different, and we have never seen groups be able to commit that. And it's like the only example would be MMORPGs, right? Final Fantasy XIV. But Final Fantasy XIV doesn't release new stuff every month of this type of quality. It's a totally different experience. That's an MMORPG that is based on successful mmorpgs of the last two decades so there's Mm -hmm. like a precedent there that they are kind of now evolving and playing with because they have the trust they have the community i can't wait till we see this because i love the idea the idea of this working and then one day leading to an evolving spider-man for me where it's like you know assassin's creed way too much of this type of collect-a-thon open world stuff i love spider-man and i love that world and i love the idea of being able to go uh, back and them having smaller, even smaller stories than Miles Morales more often throughout the year. Yeah. We're far from that, man. 
Well, I, I think too we're we're seeing a shift in how single player DLC tends to come out because we've had the traditional thing be okay, you're getting the traditional game release, but then months later or a year later you get the DLC expansion. You get Spider-Man City of the Never Sleeps, you get the Breath of the Wild uh Champions Ballad, you get the post-launch DLC. And it's been interesting to see we just recently we talked about PlayStation and them doing director's cuts on I think it was PSLW and or this show, where you know PlayStation, they've kind of shifted the way that they've been treating uh, single-player DLC, at least for the time being, and that might be a the transition of this-gen thing, and or it might be a thing that lasts throughout the generation, because maybe they see success in doing the director's cut thing, or they see success in doing the free expansions and things, and things like Ghost of Shima Legends, but... I do think that I, I do think there is there is more potential there that you can that you can uh, touch on as a single player game, and I'm very curious to see if they're able to make it happen in a way that is compelling and in a way that makes people go, oh shit, this is actually a really cool idea. This is a, an ever living uh, Assassin's Creed game that I'm gonna play forever. I think that's the best case scenario. But uh, uh, somebody who loves Assassin's Creed just joined the call. Sadly, oh, I love Courtney. Assassin's Creed now. It's uh, okay. Okay. I made a two-hour like... video. I made a two-hour video on Assassin's Creed, yeah, and Greg is the it. Assassin's Creed guy. Fuck you, blessing. Fuck you. Listen, there are a lot. There are a lot of. It's like it's like me and it's like me being the Mario guy, right? Like both me and Tim love Mario. You know, we're gonna have a competition to figure this out someday. Fuck you, blessing. Boo. Fuck you, blessing. Dude, I was on your side, Greg. <laughs> All right, Barrett's the Assassin's Creed guy now. Barrett, go off. Um, I think all of this is a moot point because I'm tired of seeing Ubisoft protect abusers, and I just I don't care about Ubisoft stuff going forward. I'm I'm tired of it. That's mm -hmm. my take. See y'all. Deuces, deuces. Yeah, that's the thing I wanted to uh, uh, come back and touch on. actually a little bit too is the fact that it seems that the folks are still there, right? Like we got we got the big old reports last fall i guess exactly a year ago uh, yeah. uh from now we got because large it was reports. leading into one of the ubisoft forwards last year exactly the july forward we got large reports about misconduct there we touched on that in jason schreier's story i tim for you how is the way what how do we treat that you know even putting together the, the story i was try, i was sitting and trying to think about how we talk about ubisoft news how we treat this sort of news how we go forward playing ubisoft games what's your what, what's your take on how the misconduct stuff plays into all of this i take as we talk about it you know my take is when mm -hmm. we tell these stories like just like jason schreier did it's like there's the context that's necessary to put out there and i think that all of these choices are our choices again there's a very easy narrative to paint and it wouldn't be that easy to paint if we're not getting stories of people not being happy and people not believing in this project not wanting to work on it and where does that come from it comes from the top Where's the problems coming from? The top. It's like when it comes yeah. to Ubisoft specifically, there's not like question marks of where the issue is. Like we know the issue at this point. It has been firmly, firmly understood uh, and and exploited. So with that, yeah, that's what we're doing here. It's like talking about all this and explaining why there's problems there. And until they are ousted, the, these problems are going to continue. And there has been a shift on the inside, but it's clearly not enough of a shift to fully make the changes that need to be made over there exactly when there are people that are still at the company complaining on message boards and complaining about what the environment is like then yes that that means that the problem still remains and even for me putting together the show and even reading uh uh reading chat as we've been starting the story there 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 have been a couple of chats out there that are like you know why don't we just boycott the news why don't, why don't we don't talk about it and i don't think that's the right answer right that feels that feels either. like ignoring a problem that feels like us 
sweeping something under under the rug. And that feels like us doing an audience a disservice when there are things to talk about. But I think the best that we can do as people reporting are to uh, is to add as much context as possible and give people the ability to make that decision themselves. At this point, I don't blame anybody who's like, I don't want to play Ubisoft games. I think that's no. totally fine. I think that's exactly. totally fair. You know, like... Uh, it's been it's been absolutely ridiculous. The the not only the reports that we got last year that in themselves at the moment were shocking and ridiculous, but the fact that it seems like we haven't gotten it, it, it feels like they keep telling us that we've gotten answers, but it's very clear and apparent based on reports and based on people still there that we haven't gotten the answers that we need based off of these this misconduct shit and like something needs something needs to be done and it's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But Tim, you know what else? Is not ridiculous. <laughs> Going over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games so you can get the show ad free. But guess what? If you listen to this part of the show, that means that you didn't. And so here are some ads. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like taking a call on a train or bus on speaker for everyone to hear. Don't be that person. I haven't been that person for a while, and I've been a lot happier because of it. I've been using ExpressVPN, and it just makes everything feel more secure. I can just be on the internet doing what I want to do, and I know people aren't watching me. People aren't judging me. They're just letting me live my life. ExpressVPN creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet, so people can't peep on your online activity, which is great. I use it on my phone and on my desktop. Everywhere I go, I know I'm protected, and it's awesome just being able to be behind ExpressVPN. You can secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash games today that's e-x-p-r-e-s-s vpn.com slash games and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash games next up shout out to honey we all shop online and we've all seen the promo code field taunt us at checkout but thanks to honey manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart i recently saved a ton of money on some acoustic treatment i got from my home theater setup uh over on etsy and it was great being able to see the honey guy do his little dance and then boom i saved like 30 dollars. it was awesome you can go to joinhoney.com slash games to get honey for free if you don't have honey already you're straight up missing out on free savings it's literally free and installs in a few seconds by getting it you're doing yourself a solid and supporting this show uh get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash games that's joinhoney.com slash games let's talk about story number two robocop is getting a new video game this is michael mcwarder at polygon and kevin as i read through i got a trailer that you can pull up to show the people a new RoboCop video game is in development and slated for release in 2023. Publisher Lake Nacon announced Tuesday during a live stream called Nacon Connect. Titled RoboCop Rogue City, the first-person shooter will put players in the total body prosthesis of Alex Murphy, aka RoboCop, on a mission to protect Detroit. Beyond that, Nacon and developer Tion didn't reveal much about RoboCop Rogue City other than than it's destined for PC and unspecified consoles in a couple of years. Rogue City will feature an original story in the franchise's universe, Nacon said in a news release. The publisher and developer are working with Studio MGM to develop an authentic RoboCop game experience that is faithful to the franchise's DNA, Nacon said. Tian certainly has experience bringing 80s action heroes to video games. The Polish studio is perhaps best known for its work on Terminator Resistance, the 2019 shooter based on the Terminator franchise that wasn't the worst thing ever, and Rambo the Video Game, a 2014 rail shooter that was frankly pretty awful. (laughs) A teaser trailer for Robocop Rogue City hints at something similarly low budget and perhaps a bit janky, but still shows premise. Tim, how are you feeling about a new Robocop video game? 
Well, Terminator, Terminator Resistance, you said it's not the worst thing ever. I just Googled it real quick. 60% Metacritic, but a one out of five from Eurogamer. So that's what we're dealing with. Not the worst thing ever. Uh, this is one of those news stories where it's like, I'm happy it's happening just so that Nick can have a little bit of endorphins for a second being like, oh, that's cool. But like, he's not going to play it. And like, there's no way this is actually a quality video game. Like we were seeing so many of these retro revivals of like movie IPs from the eighties, like whether it's dead by daylight, like all this, mm -hmm. the cameos or the predator games or the alien games coming out, all that. Um, and those seem like there's a lot more care being put into it. This kind of seems like a me too cash grab type situation based on that. Yeah. This feels like an old video game industry kind of move. This feels like a two mid two thousands PS two early yep. PS three kind of move of, Hey, we got Robocop. Let's make a video game out of them. And the fact that it's coming from the same crew that did the Rambo game, the Unreal's Rambo game, I remember as that was coming out, paying attention to reviews and watching gameplay videos of it. And it is no joke, one of the worst looking things I've ever seen in my life. And so I got no faith in this, but it's cool. It's cool for the people that might, might be, again, super fans of Robocop, your Nick Scarpino's the world, to maybe be like, cool, I can check this out, fuck around a little bit. Maybe there's that small chance that it turns out to have some kind of quality aspect to it that, that that gets you addicted i think that's the hope uh and i hope I, I hope that for you as well for anybody looking forward to a robocop video game i saw quite a few people on twitter yesterday getting pretty excited about this one and so all power to you i hope for the best for this video game a robocop rogue city uh tim let's talk about story number three hbo's the last of us season one will have 10 episodes this is adele anchors at ign HBO's The Last of Us TV series will have a 10-episode for a season, writer and producer Craig Mazin has confirmed. Culture Crave shared the episode count for the upcoming HBO series after it was revealed by Mazin during a recent appearance on the Script Notes po podcast, in which he featured as a guest to discuss the process of prepping for an entire season of television. Quote, we have five directors across 10 episodes, Mazin revealed around the 1740 mark. He also indicated that they had figured out all the pairings for the episodes in terms of the directors of photography and individual episode directors, though he didn't speak any further on those matches. With production kicking off this month, Mazin also touched on the show's shooting schedule and some of the considerations surrounding that. In doing so, he revealed that this show will be mostly set during daylight hours due to the logistics of filming at night, when Calgary only has about four and a half hours of proper dark to shoot nighttime scenes in right now. The Last of Us game creator, Neil Druckmann, is working as both a writer and executive producer alongside Mazin. Druckmann says the series will stay pretty close to the, to the game at places, but other parts may deviate greatly because TV is a different medium. The drama between the characters is said to be one of the, one of the areas the series will explore further. Tim, how are you feeling about 10 episodes? Is that, the, is that a good amount for you? Oh, yeah, this is perfect. I could not be more excited for this show. Like 10 episodes is what I would have expected, but it could have been less. HBO has been known to do six, and I think that we're seeing uh, a trend towards shorter seasons of, of this level of TV. So definitely excited about that. I can't wait for this show. It is probably one of the things I am most excited for, period, across any medium at this point. Uh, more than a lot of the MCU movies, more than uh, any video game. It's like, I want to see this. There are so many elements in it that just sound like this is going to be something incredibly special. And everything that they're saying here about how much it's going to 
uh, respect the original game, but also kind of do its own thing. That's exactly what I want to see from a Last of Us HBO TV show. Uh, they got the the music, they got the, the the cast looks incredible, and every single thing I'm hearing here is great. The one kind of like thing I'm a little iffy on is this the four and a half hours of proper dark. I'm not going to be like worried about it, but it's like I wish that there weren't elements that were constricting potentially yeah. the vision of of what what's being made but i think that yeah. this is a a quote being taken out of the context of i think that they're just talking and dropping a bunch of little like tidbits of fun things not things that are actually affecting the show in any real way because it's not like exactly. last of us relies on night scenes really you know yeah it's not that's my that thing is like thing. there are only a few scenes that i can think of in, in yeah. last of us one that are iconic night, night scenes yeah exactly but you know I, I i love 10 episodes 10 episodes i think is a perfect length for a season of tv uh and I, i'm still in the place with the show where i don't i i don't necessarily want the last of us to be adapted you know i think the last of us works so good as a video game it is perfect as a video game story and i and it's hard for me to think of something that is adapting that that is going to be as good or better than that but we are we are hearing pretty much all good news based off of the the production of it like everything they've said about it makes me go okay this is going to be a good thing like they're treating this the right way they got the right mm -hmm. people behind it they the fact that they have um uh the composer uh the same composer for the game you know is a really gustavo. exciting thing gustavo yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say gustavo Cirola, but i was like no that's your teeth that's, that's definitely not this guy but the fact that the fact that they're treating this right, you know, has me excited and I'm I'm looking forward to it. But it's still even even hearing hearing things like, you know, parts of the show are going to deviate greatly because t TV is a different medium. That's what you want to hear. Right. But part of me is like, OK, but are they are you when you deviate? Are you going to treat Joel in a way that's differently from how I view Joel from the video game? Is Ellie going to be a different character? They talk about focusing in on the the uh, drama between the characters, and I'm like, okay, cool. What does that mean for Tess's and Joel's relationship? You know, how's that stuff going to pan out? Those are things we'll have to wait and see see on. But is there, those not, are the things that do make me nervous, though. I'm not worried about any of that at all because of the level of quality all the answers we have so far are. Like, you look at the cast, you look at the people behind it, Druckmann's involved, heavily involved, not just, like, kind of involved in giving it his blessing, you know? It's like, the, this is going to be treated right in the same way Last of Us Part Two was treated right. And for me, we've seen comic books get adapted in beautiful ways where MCU is arguably the definitive best version of so many versions of the the stories being told and it's like i i don't think that video games cannot have that like i think especially when you look at things like the naughty dog games that are up there with the the top tier of video game storytelling it's like why can't that be adapted to tv and honestly probably even better like the video game aspects like are take it or leave it for a lot of people i personally love them i love the way that those games play but mm -hmm. i don't necessarily think that the gameplay enhances the story Overall, there are moments for sure, but it's just a quality story. And it's like, I think that they can tell that story even better outside of video games. And I think that that is something that uh, might be a hot take and people might not agree with me on uh, because the video games are sacred to them, uh, which is fine. But it is rare to me that we really see video games and narrative work together on a, a high level when we're talking about stories that are like holy shit these are actually incredible i think video games and stories work better with when gameplay and stories mesh when stories aren't something you're writing home about you're talking mm -hmm. about character moments you're talking about dialogue between things and, and 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 emotional beats but overall narrative and plot i don't really think gameplay services 
uh, in, in too many great examples. Yeah. I mean, I would say Last of Us would be the example. I think there's something about being in the role of Joel that does change how you feel about the game. There's like a brutality to the gameplay. And it's, Last of Us 2 especially kind of touches on that exact thing of what it's like being in the role where you're the one inflicting the violence. But to your point, right? Like I, I there there are things you can do in a media in the medium of TV that you wouldn't be able to do the same way in video games. And that's what makes adaptation cool. The thing though that still holds it back for me or still holds back the idea for me a little bit is the fact that Last of Us is such a cinematic game. And when you're talking about adapting cartoons or adapting comic books, right? There's not that there's not that level of I associate a voice, I associate a location, yeah. I associate a performance with these characters whereas video games do have that and I feel like the we've when you have a we've not gotten necessarily a story that is as iconic, memorable and direct as the last of us adapted to to movies in a way that is one for one or i guess one for one ish uh in a way that for me has worked we've gotten detective pikachu but that is that's a that's a lot of inspiration totally taken from a game right you've got yeah. sonic but like that story doesn't exist in the game we've gotten those that i think work well but the this kind of adaptation i think is something that we've not gotten a good version of yet but we have had three spider-man and we mm -hmm. are able to compare those and say what we like about this versus that versus whatever. And I think that that is a more apt comparison when you're talking about we have such connections to Joel and Ellie, uh, you know, the, the Troy uh, version, right? But yeah. then it's like we're about to get Pedro Pascal, and I feel like that could be its own standalone thing where you don't necessarily need to pick a favorite. They could both just be extremely high quality. Yeah. For sure, I see that, and I, and that's what I hope it is, right? I hope it it almost feels like an alternate universe take on the Last of Us that stands on its own, that is incredible, and all these things. I think that's the best case scenario, but we won't have to wait long to see because hopefully this comes out. Well, do you remember when this was when this was slated? Did this it's, have a date? Uh, the last we heard was twenty twenty three. I want to say that's so far away. It, like it was always a while out. Yeah. Okay. Well, looking forward to that. Last news story, story number four, Destiny 2 Showcase has been announced for August 24th. This is John Bittner at The Gamer. Bungie will be holding a Destiny 2 Showcase on August 24th, although little is known about what will be revealed during the event. The brief announcement was made earlier today on Twitter with a single image that, that read, quote, survive the truth, end quote. Fans are already speculating about what will be announced during the Destiny 2 showcase, although the main hope is for a massive expansion reveal. The Witch Queen update is currently in development at Bungie, so fans are hopeful that a bit of gameplay will make an appearance. In fact, earlier this year, Bungie said it would have, quote, more to share on the Witch Queen and beyond in the late summer, end quote. And that meshes well uh, with the new August 24th showcase date. This is one that I don't think either of us have much to say on. This is one I wanted to highlight and. It's pretty cool that Destiny is at the point where they have their own showcases. I think that's actually a pretty cool thing. So Absolutely. It go get it, Destiny. Uh, real quick, uh, as of just a couple days ago, two days ago, there was an article talking about uh, HBO's Last of Us coming out in late 2022 is the goal. Ooh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Exciting times. Tim, mm -hmm. I can't wait for late 2022 so that I can watch The Last of Us on one screen while I'm playing Starfield on the other. But late playing 2022... Last of Us remake on the other. I'm playing Last of Us remake on a third screen. But that is just so far away. If I was coming out to Mama Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show host each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today, we got Out of Line for Switch, 
Walden, a game for Xbox One, Blitzbreaker for Switch, Marbles Rush for Switch, and then Ruvado Original Complex for Switch. New dates for you, Frostpunk Console Edition sees the arrival, re, sees the arrival of three expansions, uh, The Last Autumn, On the Edge, and The Rifts on Xbox One, and on PS4 on July 21st. And then Omno is arriving on July 29th on PC, Xbox One, PS4, and Game Pass. Omno, I watched a trailer for this morning. Game looks pretty cool. Game looks pretty cool. It's like an, it's an indie game with a cool art style. Uh, I would recommend people check out the trailer if that interests you. Uh, and then deal of the day for you this is from wario 64 there's a us psn sale going on currently you can grab a bunch of yakuza and resident evil games for a real good deal but the big one that i want to shout out is dreams right now is 9.99 it's ten dollars for dreams it's a good price for that game go buy dreams for ten dollars it's a very good game that you should you should go check out Tim, folks can go over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where they can get the show ad free they can get the post show but they can also write in with their questions for reader mail, just like BJ Bernardo did. BJ Bernardo writes in and says, Hey y'all, a question based on the most recent games cast in the known release date schedule. Do you think with Halo Infinite being maybe the biggest game coming this fall, does it have more pressure to be great by us, fans, media, etc.? Thanks, BJ Bernardo. Tim, where are you at with, with Halo Infinite hype? Do, do you think that game has all the weight on its shoulders right now for the fall? Uh, I don't think it has all the weight on the shoulders for the fall. I think it does have a lot of weight on its shoulders for the Halo franchise and for Xbox uh, game studios. But um, I, I feel like it, there's so many things in limbo right now. Like we did our episode. You can watch right now. YouTube.com slash kind of funny games on Gamescast going through all the release dates. And there were a couple heavy hitters missing where uh, we're looking at the fall and it's really exciting. There's a ton of games, the battlefield, uh, death loop, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Far Metroid, Cry. obviously Dying far cry. Yeah. There, there's a lot. There is like, we're eaten, but we are kind of missing the, like the big tentpole first party titles. You know, we're not mm -hmm. getting uh, a mainline Mario or Zelda on the switch. We're not getting uh, the, the, the bigger, like a gear, I guess we're getting halo or, or we might be getting halo. And then on the PlayStation side, we might be getting horizon right yeah. like those are the two big they're question marks that aren't guaranteed right now it's kind of like there's no reason to think that they won't make it based on the official word of microsoft and sony but given the way the world is right now no one would be surprised if either of those slipped to 2022 i'm still hopeful especially for halo uh but let's say halo does come out i think that if anything it just gives it a bigger chance to be looked at as a major success if it it hits the level of standard that it needs to where it can kind of stand out a bit more and be something special for xbox game studios kind of be this stamp of the return of halo and you know we've been talking about this a lot in different shows but um when you shift your mindset from halo infinite needs to be the god of war the breath of the wild of halo mm -hmm. to what I, I talked about on some of the show where somebody on our reddit uh, pointed out this is actually closer to the Star Wars The Force Awakens of Halo. Like, that to me, I think, is a, a much more manageable goal to hit. And with what they've been showing recently, they think, I think that they might be able to hit that level. Uh, will that level be enough to really kind of bring everything back? Or is Halo too far gone? That's another question. But uh, I'm very excited. And I, I don't think that uh, there's a shit ton of pressure on Halo. I don't think it being the big game this year adds to that pressure in any yeah. meaningful way yeah i do think that works in its favor where this fall is a fall that is not a fall of big 
gigantic blockbusters. It's not a Red Dead Redemption 2 this fall. There's not a quote-unquote Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> before we knew what that game was this fall. You know, there's not a Last of Us Part 2. But the fact that this fall is a very populated fall, and for me, a very exciting fall in terms of games when you're talking about things, uh, uh, you know, like Deathloop, like Metroid Dread, like uh, Back for Blood, Battlefield 2042, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Mario Party Superstars, there are hella games coming out this fall that are super exciting and that are going to be super fun. Um, and so Halo Infinite, I don't think has the, it doesn't have the pressure of being alone in the fall, but it does have that, I think, hype of being the potential biggest release of the fall which is going to do so much for it i think that's going to put so much eyes on it i think that's going to put i think as people are going to be able to compare it to everything else and put it on a pedestal in a way that xbox probably wants halo to be on that pedestal they want that to be the biggest game of the fall and it's being set up for that which i think is only going to work in its favor totally and the last thing i want to say on this is you know i, I think that what me and you are kind of dancing around saying is the game of the year quality game right like the, the big mm. banger game that it's just like when before it even comes out eyes are on it where it's just like it's this game's to lose if it's not in that final discussion at all the major outlets at the end of the year right and i kind of feel like everyone ex not everyone i shouldn't use words like that because people get upset uh, a lot of people uh were kind of expecting halo infinite to be in that conversation a couple years back but then after it's showing last year and then how we've seen it this year, it's kind of, at least in my opinion and a lot of people around me, it seems like that isn't the expectation anymore. It mm -hmm. is kind of just like, oh, this is going to be a, a super awesome game. Uh, but it is more of in the, the Forza category where it's just like everyone expects greatness from this, but they're not expecting it to be in that final game of the year conversation in a, in a meaningful way at the end of the year, um, so which I think gives Halo that kind of room to surprise us a little bit if it is that good, which I'm not expecting it to be by any means, which is why it would be surprising. Yeah. Now it's time to squat up. Uh, we got a squad up from Neil who writes in and says, I've recently got myself a Series S to go along with my PS5, and I've fallen in love with Sea of Thieves. So I need some fellow pri uh, pirates to form a crew uh, with and sail the high seas. I'm UK time and free a few nights a week and weekends. If you want to play with Neil, uh, Neil's on Xbox with the username N24K. That is N24K, all one word. Uh, go off, sail the seas, have a great time. Now, of course, you can go over to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. That's where you write in. Let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Uh, let's see here. Not a you're wrong. Not a you're wrong. Uh, we clarified that. And that is also not a you're wrong. Tim, me and you killed it. We absolutely. Yeah, yeah man. The only thing, the only thing that we baby. almost got you wrong was the nanobiologist wrote in to say that the last was TV show is expected to wrap in 2022 and release late 2022. But Tim, you caught yourself on that one. So we are flawless. We are absolutely flawless. Look at us. Flawless. Who would have thought? Not, Not me. me. The rest of this week's host for Kind of Funny Games Daily go like this. On Thursday, tomorrow, you're getting Greg and Tim. Then on Friday, let me double check real quick. Right now, I have it as Greg question marks but i'm look, gonna look at the calendar to see if we got any updates on that and it looks like 
we do not have any updates on that so you'll learn when we learn uh who friday's hosts are if you're watching this live on twitch after this is mike and greg with more sea of thieves of course this has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about we have a patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games so stick around for that otherwise till next time game daily